so you're in your Bible, Psalm chapter 91, and we're going to read that really quick, and, uh, and then we're going to dive into what we started last week, the lesson we started last week. If you still have your notes from last week, that's awesome. If you don't, well, of course, I just provided the last two pages of your notes, not the first page, uh, but you can hopefully remember as we'll go through them, remember where it is that, uh, and what it is that we talked about. But Psalm chapter 91, Psalm 91 it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that waketh at noonday, wasteth at noonday. And then he says, A thousand shall fall at thy sight, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. He says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up with their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. The psalmist writes, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou tread underfoot. And then God makes an unbelievable statement. He says, Because thou hast set thy love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. He said, I will, I will raise him on high, or I'll place him on high, because he hath known my name. He said, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. He says there at the end, I will deliver him and I will honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and I'll show him my salvation. You know that psalm in Psalm 91, as the psalmist writes that, he really has a lot to talk about and teach us in that psalm about what we've been learning about the mistake zone. You know, in the mistake zone... Much of what that psalm talks about is needed for us. When the psalmist said, you're going to be my guide, you're going to be the one that leads me through those times of difficulty, you're going to be the one that's going to be the light that I need to see clearly, uh, those times is when you really need to focus on God. And much of what we've been learning and much of the questions that you face in the mistake zone, you're going to need God to guide you. You're going to need God to help you through that time, and you're going to want God's favor in your life. God makes a promise. He says, if you put your love upon me, then when you go through a time of trouble, I'll be there. When you call upon me, I will answer you. You know, in Proverbs chapter 1, the Bible says that there are the foolish people that don't call upon God, that never look for God. And you know what? There does come a point in your life and in a person's life where he blocks out God so much, the Bible says you get a seared conscience. That means a conscience that doesn't feel anything. If you've ever burned yourself, you know with that skin that's burned, if, if you begin to touch it, you really don't feel anything. Until that really heals itself, that the, many times a, a burn victim won't really feel it anymore. The, the nerve begins to die and the pain doesn't really register anymore and the bible says in proverbs chapter one you can reject god so much that you can develop that that kind of mentality where where you 
You don't want to listen to God, and you tune God out to the point where you never hear God again. And the Bible says there will come a point in, in, in your life and in a person's life where they've tuned out God so much that suddenly they come through a difficult situation, and then now they're really in trouble in their life, and the Bible says they'll call upon me. But God said, but I won't answer them. Early, but they won't find me. You know how you get to that point? You get to that point when you ignore God in those important questions of your life. And suddenly the consequences of your decisions catch up to you and, and suddenly you don't like those consequences. And, and suddenly you're like, I, my life, how did it get here? And I don't want to be here anymore. And, and though you might with tears regret the decisions that you have made, yet those consequences still linger and come after you. That's why in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, as we, as we learned a few weeks ago, that's why the author writes, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, before the evil days come nigh. So important for us to understand as we're going through this time in our life where mistakes can be made and they're big mistakes, mistakes that have grave consequences for us, it's important to, to stop and ponder and say, man, am I seeking the Lord? this. Now, we started last week with some of the questions that we face while going through the mistake zone. In the heart of the mistake zone, we, we talked about, and I'm just going to fly through the first few, uh, what college will you go to? We said the college you go to determines your life course. It'll probably determine your life spouse. It will determine your friends. We said who you're going to date is another great question. Uh, who you date will determine your testimony. Who you date will determine who you marry. We said another, and, and who you date will greatly impact the condition of your spiritual heart. So important. Who are you going to spend the rest of your life with? Who are you going to commit your life to in marriage? Uh, then the third question, what will your first job be? We said your first job will determine God's true priority in your life. Your first job could help you trust God. Your first job will reveal your true spiritual character. It's not just well, I'm just going to get a job to get a job, but you need to think about what job do I want to work at and what am I going to do in this job because that job is going to reveal and do a lot in your life. Then we said, uh, question four, what will you drive? How will you buy a car? Because how you buy a car will reveal your intelligence. How you drive a car will reveal your maturity in your life. And how you care for a car reveals your character, what kind of character you have uh, what kind of discipline you have. Uh, and so uh, we said those are very important questions to answer. And then we talked about the question of who will your friends be? Who will your friends be? We said who, you will be, uh, who your friends are uh, determines uh, you of how people are going to judge you. We said you will become like your friends. Uh, who you hang out with will influence you. You might say, well, they don't, they don't really have that big of an influence on me. But the truth of the matter is, much of the time, they have a bigger influence than even you and I recognize. Sometimes our friends influence us on the way we're going to dress. They influence what we're going to watch on TV or on Netflix or on Hulu or anything on the Internet. Sometimes your friends will influence you big time on what music you like. I can tell you when I was going through my teenage years and, and my friends 
uh, depending on what stage of life we were, what year it was, I can tell you the genre of music we liked. There was a time where, man, rock was, was the, the music that, that really attracted me. And then there was a time where uh, um, a country was really big for me. And then there was a time where R&B was someone there and, 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 and all these genres. And, and much of it was determined upon who I was hanging out with. What influences were going through my life at that time. And it's amazing how much influence your friends will have. That's why it's so important. You got to be careful. Who am I going to allow to influence me in my life? Your, your friends will influence every part of your life. Every part. It's amazing. I, I've seen young, uh, young people that, you know, they, they, they would never buy a certain gadget or a certain thing, uh, a certain t-shirt or anything, but once their friends get it, then it becomes cool. Then suddenly you want it. That's how trends start. I know you're familiar with tw- trends. If you, if you have any type of consciousness of social media, that's how, that's how it all begins. Uh, remember there was this uh, uh, thing that went viral a few years ago, the, the uh, ice bucket challenge or something like that? Somebody had a crazy idea of, hey, I'm going to do that, and we're going to raise awareness for whatever cause. And suddenly it just starts going around, and it, 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 it goes what we, what we know as today as going viral, and, and all these hits and all these people start uh, watching what's going on there, and it begins to influence them. Uh, most people would never just get a bucket of ice and pour it on themselves. But if it's going to wear awareness for a cause, or if it's going to do something that they feel is going to be a big thing, then they'll do it. And you know, when you get friends around you, there are certain things that you probably wouldn't do on your own, but if you allow them to influence you, you'll begin to do them. And by the way, it's not always all negative. I'm so thankful to see some of you guys that uh, on Sundays, sometimes you'll, I'll see one or two start helping out, moving chairs, and it ain't long before some of you go, oh, what are y'all doing? Oh, I, I can help. Uh, we, we've never had a whole lot of trouble here at, at our church to, to get chairs. I've never had a whole lot of trouble to get chairs put up or, or taken down. Uh, even on our graduation Sunday on June 2nd, man, a lot of you, even if you didn't have family that was graduating, a lot of you were helping and cleaning and, and doing all that stuff. Uh, last Sunday night, we were, we were selling mangonadas and stuff, and, and I had Brian Olvera there, and he, I said, hey, can you run the money and, and, and get that done for me? Yeah, sure. You know, if you have the right friends around you, they can influence you to do the right thing, too. I know sometimes we focus on all the bad that sometimes people can influence us to do, but, you know, there's a lot of good that comes from it, too. That's why it's so important. Who are my friends going to be? In the mistake zone, you can get the wrong friends, and that'll bring some serious consequences in your life. Here's a couple other questions that we talked about last week. What career field will you choose? What career field? The question is not, what do you want to do? The question is, what did God create you to do? And we said this, God's purpose is the only thing that will truly make you happy. God's purpose is the only thing that will make you happy. Believe it, young people. Listen, the Bible says there is joy in sin, but only for a season. You see people on TV and you see people in Hollywood and you go, man, they look so happy. And you know what? They are happy for a little while. But you know, that's not real happiness and it's not real purpose. A few years ago, one of the 
most successful actors, one of the most talented people Hollywood's had, a man by the name of Robin Williams. Very funny, very good actor, very successful, very wealthy. And he takes his own life. He hangs himself. How do you get to that point? You get to that point when there's no purpose. When you don't have the right purpose in your life and you think, oh, things are going to make me happy and if I do this, then I'm going to be happy. If I have this, then I'll know what joy is all about. But truly, young people, the only way you're going to find real happiness in your life, and I'm talking about happiness that satisfies, that happiness that at the age of 45, you're not going to want to hang yourself, and at the age of 55, you still want to keep living and keep moving forward. Happiness like that only comes when you find what God's purpose for your life is. That's how you wake up in the morning and go, I can't wait to get to work. I tell you guys this almost every week, it seems like, but listen, I love being the youth pastor here. I love it. I love hanging out with you guys. I love, I love going on events and planning things and, and, and really getting to know you guys a little bit better. I love it. But it's because that's what God created me to do, and, 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 and I knew it. I fought it for a little while. For a while, if you would have asked me my, my freshman year of high school, my junior year, and, or, or even, even my senior year for the first half, if you would have asked me, what are you going to do? I, I would have told you I want to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to do. I knew lawyers had a lot of money, and I thought, that, that's, 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 that's the ticket for me. Lawyers go and present cases in court, and I like to argue. Might as well get paid for it. You know, that was my thinking. But later in my senior year, I started, I started to realize, because, you know, that's, that's the way I was thinking. But I had a youth pastor my senior year when I was in Florida, Riverview, Florida. His name is Pastor Ford. And just being in their ministry and going to youth every Wednesday. And by the way, at that point, my parents were still living here. My brothers, I was living in an apartment with them, and they had to go to work every Wednesday night. And I had to make a choice. I didn't have a vehicle, so what I did was I asked a friend from school, can I go to your house and stay at your house till it's time for youth? And that's what I did. And then I'd have to get a ride afterwards. No one had to force me to go into youth. Nobody had to tell me, Jeremy, if you don't go, you're going to get in trouble. I didn't have a parent there to tell me that. I just made a decision when I was 18 years old to say, listen, I think this thing about God is something that's going to be real to me. It's going to be something that's serious for me. I started making those decisions back then. And listen, that's why I say you can make those decisions too. And not everybody that makes those decisions goes and becomes a pastor or missionary. Some of them become doctors and lawyers. But let me tell you something. If God didn't call you to do that, you'll never find happiness. That's why it's important as you're asking yourself, what am I going to study? And what, I, what am I going to do with my life? What career am I going to go after? Ask God, what career would you want me to do? Not what I want to do, what do you want me to do? Because it's there that you're going to find true happiness. Another question uh, that you need to understand and think about is, who will you marry? Who will you marry? And we talked about this last week. A great marriage is not easy. We said a great marriage is worth fighting for. We said most marriages statistically without God fail. And then we said only God can give you a great marriage. Only God can give you a great marriage. Only God can bring that person that's just right for you. 
You've got to seek after God to find that person. Can I tell you, that person might not even be in the state right now. In fact, I was in Texas. I went to Florida for my senior year of high school, met a girl there my senior year. I thought, man, she's probably the one. We dated and dated for about a year, year and a half, and I thought, I thought this is the girl God has for me. And yet, the, God, the, the girl that God had for me was in San Diego, California. I didn't even know her. Never even met her. I was 19 years old, still hadn't met the person that God had for me. But I'm so thankful that during those years, I was able to start praying, God, anybody that you have for me, God, that, that I, just lead me to that right person. It makes all the difference between a happy marriage and one not so happy. And then another great uh, question, where will you locate in your career? Where is it going to take you? This will determine where you're going to live. This will determine where your family grows up. This will determine your entire spiritual future of your family. So it's so important to think about, hey, wh where am I going to be located in my career? Some of our college students right now are going through that. Victor is, Carrion is, is up near Houston area right now for his job. You know, he just got married just a few months ago. And sometimes that happens, and, and, and he asked me, he said, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I don't know if this is where God's ultimately going to want me to be, but he said, I'm praying that God will open up some jobs back here in the valley because this is where I want to be. So important to think about, hey, wh where is this going to take me? Here's some new questions that we didn't talk about, but we want to pick up here. Number one, what will you live in? That's another big question. Are you going to rent or are you going to purchase? If you purchase, how much is it going to be? How much are you going to spend? Do you even know how to get a mortgage loan? What is a good price for an apartment? This is all coming up real soon. How will you know you're making the right decision of where to live? These are big decisions. If someone were to ask you, how do you know that the valley is the place for you to live? What are you going to answer them? How do you know? Here's another question that happens during this time of the mistake zone. When will you have children and a family? <laughs> did, you, did I move too fast on that one? Is anybody else still writing? All right, go back on that one, would you? I can't go back on this. Just hit the back button. Uh, they're perfect. Okay, here we go. All right, here we go. How about this? Now, going back to this. I don't know what space you're on, but I guess what, how you'll know you're making the right decision. That was the last blank there. How are you going to know you're making the right decision? I know there's a lot of writing here. But they say you remember more when you hear it, and then you see it, and then you write it. You remember like, I don't know what the statistic is, like 90% or 85% or something. If you believe that stuff, it may not work. I don't know. I don't know. But here's the next question. Now that everybody hopefully is done writing on that one, when will you have children and a family? When are you going to have that? Are you going to have it by age 23, by age 24? Are you going to be married by then? Are you going to get, when you get married, are you going to have children right away? I mean, these are really, really big questions. When are you going to have kids? How many are you going to have? You know, I don't know, four? Somebody said four? 
That's a lot of kids. That's a good number. I'm one of four. You see how good the fourth one comes out. You want to get to number four, okay? For sure you want to get to number four. Where's Charlie? Charlie's that cap. He can't back me up on that. All right. How will you raise them? How are you going to raise your kids? When are you going to discipline them? Let me just say something real quick for you future parents, okay? Let me tell you something. Before I had kids, let me tell you, I could, I could come to church and I could look in those classrooms and I'd be like, that kid right over there, that guy, that guy needs a spanking. That one over there, man, I would whip his tail so fast. But then you have your own kids and then you're like, man, should I spank him now? I don't even know. Listen, everything changes when you have your own kids. You, you wonder what are spanking situations and what are not spanking. Before, I'm like, I'm spanking him for everything, you know. Oh, he looked at me wrong. Boom, I'm giving him three good ones, you know. He dropped his ice cream. That's three good ones right there. You don't want to be that parent, okay? Trust me. And I'm not whipping my kids for dropping the ice cream, okay? I just want that on the record. But it's funny how you don't think about it until you got them. And that's why it's so important to start praying, God, help me and, and give me wisdom on doing this. What will their futures be like? That's big. What are you dreaming for them? What are you going to want them to do? How do you want them to turn out? How do you want them thinking? What philosophy do you want them following? Huh. Here's another big question. What church will you go to? What church are you going to go to? This is a big question. You know, just because you grew up in a certain church doesn't mean you have to stay in that church. But if it's a church that's preaching the truth and that you know is doing what's right, why not try to be in that church? You know, when you ask yourself what church will you go to, will, will you live for God faithfully is what you're really saying. You're asking, what kind of church will you attend? Will it, will it be a church near you? Will it be a Baptist church? Will it be a church that stands on the principles of God's Word, or will it be one that's not standing on the truth of God's Word? And by the way, there are churches that don't stand on the truth of God's Word. There are churches that even today are ordinating or making pastors gay and lesbian people. That goes against what God's word says. Are you going to look for a church that's just going to be easygoing? Or are you going to look for a church that's going to challenge you in your Christian life? The church that you go to, it's going to lead your family to love God or to move from God. That's why it's important. Is this a church, the church I go to, is it going to be one that's going to teach my kids what they need to know and learn and grow? Or is it not? Is it going to be like, well, if I show up, it's okay, and if I don't, that's okay, no one really knows. What kind of church are you going to go to? Here's another great question. Will you maintain a personal walk with Christ? Will you maintain a personal walk with Christ? You know, you get to a certain age, young people, and you're going to find that you're not going to have anybody, in other words, you're not going to have your parents asking you all the time, did you read your Bible today? Did you spend time in prayer? Hey, what'd you listen to? Or what'd you watch on YouTube? There will come a time in the next 10 or 15 years where that's going to be up to you. 
Or you might have your own apartment and it's up to you. Or you might be in a college dorm with roommates and everybody's making their own choices and their own decisions. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to maintain a personal walk with God? Will you stay faithful to God during that time? Will you lead others to stay faithful? Will you influence others and say, listen, I, I just want to challenge you or I want to encourage you, stay in church or stay in the word of God? Are you going to be that kind of person? Are you going to do that for your best friend? Are you going to do that for family members or other church members? Or friends you got in the youth group that now you guys are out of the youth group and now you're in life. Are you going to maintain that personal walk with God? Here's another question. What is your life's purpose and mission? This is a big one. What's going to be your life's purpose? In other words, what's going to be your motivation to get up every morning? What are you going to, what are you going to live for? Are you going to live for money? Listen, money is an awesome servant, but it's a terrible master. Money's an awesome servant. If you begin to use your money and invest your money in things that are eternal and things that matter and things that have real value, man, money can be a great thing. Great thing. Money can help bring some joyful things in your life. But whenever you start making money your master, everything changes. When you start living for money, everything changes. Living for pleasure. Is that going to be your purpose? Just to say, well, whatever I like to do, whatever I want to do, it's all about me. Man, that's a very, very sad life. It leads to a sad life. How about possessions? Are you going to be living for possessions of what you can get? Listen, we live in a, in a society where that, that's big. And, people, and, and, and you'll see the temptation gets greater and greater when you get more and more coming in. As success comes into your life, listen, I'm always interested to see how people handle success more than failure. As many times with failure, it's a matter of just getting right back up and keep going. But sometimes with success, there you, you see really what the true convictions of a person are many times. There you see, do they really love God enough to give Really? And I mean give. It's amazing. We went through um, a study a few years ago on the, uh, a, a study called the Treasure Principle. And it was all about really how to get to the point in your Christian life where you're really giving. Where you're really giving. The motivation behind giving, the purpose behind giving, how to give. And it was amazing to me. And the guy, his name is Randy Alcorn, the guy that was uh, sharing the study. And it was amazing to me some of the things that they were sharing. They're talking about how many of them got to a point in their life. And I'm talking about uh, they were really down in their business and, and they began to understand and, and learn these truths about giving and in the Christian life. And suddenly they began to find some real success. And God began to bless their businesses 
And they start sharing stories of how they were giving families ten to $15,000. And saying, we just feel like the Lord's leading us to give you this. Families that were trying to adopt a child and they didn't have the money. And this other family heard about it and said, here's $15,000 so you can do that. God's leading us to do that. Listen, that's amazing to give somebody just $15,000 out of your bank account. But how does someone get to that point? I'll tell you, it's somebody that made a decision early on. I'm not going to live for money, and I'm not going to live for pleasure. I'm not going to live for possessions in my life. But I'd rather live for God. That's why you got to ask yourself, well, am I going to live for God alone and let Him add all these things to my life or not? It's a question only you can answer. What is going to be your life's purpose and your life's mission? How do you want people to think about you when you're no longer here? What do you, what do you want them to say about you? Man, he was the greatest basketball player I'd ever seen. That's nice. But it won't matter. I've said this many times to you guys as a youth group, but all of that kind of glory fades so quickly. And I always tell you that because it's so true. Guarantee you, if I were to ask you who won the Super Bowl in 1980, 1981, 1982, nobody knows. And that was only like 30-some years ago. I was born in 83, so it was like 36 or 37 years ago. And nobody knows and nobody cares. If I, if I were to ask you probably who won 1988 and 89 and 90, probably wouldn't know. Because it really doesn't matter. So many people, that's what they live for. I've met a lot of these athletes. They sacrifice everything. They don't have a relationship with their kids. They usually get divorced from their wife. They're so miserable. Many of them are very bitter. And you go, why do you want to live that way? They sacrificed everything for a, for a game. Just so that when they get buried, somebody can say, oh, that was a great player. Is that what you want to be known as? Is that how you want to be remembered? Or say, oh, man, he had the nicest house in town. Okay. Think about it. What is going to be your life's purpose and mission? Let me give you this final question this evening. What financial values will you live by? What financial values are you going to live by? Are you going to steward your money by God's principles? Will you honor God with the money He provides? Will God be able to trust you with more? It's going to be your financial values. And by the way, your values start with your decisions now. They really do. Now your values are going to start showing by the decisions you make. Even at 13, 14, 15, 16. There might be others that look upon you and look at you guys and go, Oh, you guys are just, you're just, you know, young teenagers. What do you know? I'm sure many of them looked at Daniel like that from Babylon, but you know, he knew quite a bit. 
The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. Daniel, even at 16, 17, and 18, knew the decisions I make now are going to affect me later. And in the, in the time of his life when he could have made some serious mistakes, and a lot of the young people in Daniel's day did make some serious mistakes. They, they fell in that mistake zone so bad, but Daniel didn't. Daniel didn't. You say, why did Daniel not? Because the psalmist said, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. He says, there shall no evil befall you. The psalmist said, when God looks at me because I have set my love upon him, God himself says, I will answer him and I will deliver him. And he shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in troubles. And I will deliver him, and I will honor him. That's not me saying that. That's, that's what God promises you and me. So during this time of the mistake zone, all these questions that you're going to be answering in the next 10 or 15 years, think about this. How am I going to answer those questions? What's going to be my guide for those Right now is when you make those decisions of saying, God, I don't want to answer any of those questions without first asking you. The book of James, God says, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of me. Let him ask of God, who giveth freely. He gives it abundantly. He gives it liberally. Just If you just ask, it's amazing. But this morning, it's going to, I mean, this evening, it's going to be up to you to make that decision. As you go through the heart of the mistake zone, are you going to decide, God, you've got to help me through this? Or are you going to answer all those questions? Well, we'll see what I think. We'll see what I do. I'll think about it when I get there. Listen, if you're going to discover God's destiny for your life, can't just leave it to chance. You just can't. I want to encourage you, make those right choices even today.